This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. And welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania Podcast, the Top Six Countdown. I'm your host, Rob Good, and I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien and Garth Jackson. Garth, how are you? Very good, yes. Looking forward to talking some TNA. Your favourite promotion in the entire world. Tits and ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what was weirder. You saying now the voice you said it in? <laughs> Tits and ass. It's always weird when Garth stoops down to like our level, Rob. It's like when um, your uncle at Christmas joins in on the dirty jokes. <laughs> it is, yeah. And then everyone goes silent and looks at him and goes, that's gross. Yeah, no, suddenly like the dirty jokes aren't <laughs> funny anymore. Um, Chris, he says with hesitancy in his voice, how are you? the same as it was about an hour ago when you last asked me, Rob. Ruin kayfabe, dude! Like, I mean, like... Yeah. That'll do, that'll do, I'll take it. Right, okay, before Chris comes <laughs> up with some ridiculous monologue... <laughs> mm-hmm. Today, we are going to do a podcast that legitimately has been probably a year a in year. the making. We've actually, me and Garth have recorded this before, but then the file corrupted. Um, we're talking about our top six TNA talents. And it's an interesting dynamic between the three of us because, Garth, um, you watched a lot of this you know, live because you were a big TNA mark, more so yep. than the WWE, to the point where you missed the Attitude Era. Never forget that, guys. Garth missed the Attitude Era. That, that, that wasn't because of... Uh, TNA, that was uh, due to alcohol in- intake. Oh yeah, I know the things aren't directly linked, but it, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I managed to keep up with wrestling despite my alcohol intake. <laughs> um, there was no such thing as on demand back then, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, boy, well, just brandishing a shotgun for some reason. <laughs> I don't even know where he got it. Chris, you're not a massive yeah. fan of TNA, are you? Um, Well, that's the thing. TNA at a point, was my favourite wrestling in the world. And then I discovered good wrestling. And then it stopped. No, that's the thing, because um, when I got into TNA, to be fair, I, I watched TNA about as much as I watched WWE back in the day because um, it, it was on Challenge, and Challenge was on Freeview. No, FreeSat, rather. Like, if you had a Skybox, you could just get Challenge, don't need to pay for it, and we didn't have Sky. So I couldn't watch WWE, but I could watch TNA every week, which sort of helped inform a my enjoyment of wrestling, but then also there's a lot of shit. Like, let me put it my peak TNA watching year started in the Hulk Hogan era, which is definitely mm. 
like for the Hulk Hogan era and like for two years afterwards are definitely the worst of TNA. There's good aspects like Bully Ray and stuff like that. But then you have Jeff Hardy, just Jeff Hardy. <laughs> 2011 yeah. Jeff Hardy is 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 lowest point Jeff Hardy I think it's yes. it's not it's not enjoyable watching um I didn't actually watch any TNA at all um until it was Impact and the only reason that I knew about TNA wrestlers was because of lists from things like What Culture and things like that didn't even know it existed um and then obviously I watched we watched quite a few Impacts to become, you know, to review them alongside Ring of Honor. And then I delved a little bit more into retro reviews because Garth made me watch Destination X 2012 and Slammiversary 2006. So, Why 2012? Why start them on 2012? Uh, Styles versus Daniels. Oh. There you go. There's some weird Styles versus Daniels. There's one way Daniels tried to stab him with a screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Did, did I dream that one? I feel like I dreamt that one. That was a Sorry. brawl I had. Oh, so it was an actual... Okay, continue. (laughs) So anyway, what we're going to try and do is we are going to come up with our, and again, that is very important in these countdowns, our top six TNA slash Impact slash Global Force Wrestling slash Anthem Impact slash whatever the fuck they're called by the time this podcast comes out, talents in an order that we've put them in. This might not be your order. This might not be, you know, you might think, how the fuck have you not included Falabar on this list? <laughs> this isn't even my... Uh, basically, what we do to get top tens is um, we all put a top ten and then Rob orders me to put to allocate them in a point system and then we discuss the list from there, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and again, as discussed when we did the cash-ins, we've decided to do top sixes. So we are... We are going to have a couple of honourable mentions each. Um, well, I've got two. I know that Chris and Garth have only got one, but I've got two. I mean, um, you only gave us one. You told us we could only have one. You've given yourself... Th- you're putting yourself over, Rob. <laughs> I am the Triple H of this podcast. You're the fucking Jeff Jarrett of this podcast. Jeff Jarrett. I was just going to say, king of, the, <laughs> king of the mountain. I am the king of the mountain. I'm the grand champion of this fucking podcast. Um, let's delve straight in then. So... Do you want to start with honourable mentions, or do you want to do honourable mentions before we, we get inter- to number one? Why don't we intersperse honourable mentions? Because that confuses the list, Chris. I mean, like... Rude, but okay. <laughs> Bobby Rude. <laughs> hey. hey. Um, fuck, he's not, he's not even number... Fuck, he's too far up the list about to be a good segue. <laughs> fuck you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start, then. Let's go on to number six. And instantly, with number six on the list, we have cheated... Um, because we put a tag team there. <laughs> About the old damn luck. So yeah, number six, beer money. Um, there are many, many reasons that these two men are on the list. Um, just to list some of their accolades, Bobby Roode has is a one-time world champion. He won the Bound for Glory series in 2011. James Storm is a former TNA world champion. They're a record-tying five-time TNA tag team champions. Um, They won the TNA tag team championship series in 2010. All of these accolades, including the fact that they were incredibly charismatic, compelling in the ring, and two individual characters that you couldn't help but get invested in. Now... Most of these in, like parts of our list I am going to throw to Garth because Garth has got that little knowledge that I don't have. So, Garth, beer money, talk to me. 
<clears throat> well, the reason I wanted to get these in because they are sort of when I think of TNA and I think of their tag teams, there's normally two that come to mind. Um, PM Money and Motor City Machine Guns. And between them, they had like some of the best match, like tag matches I've ever seen. Um, especially when they had the series. Uh, but I think not just one of the best TNA teams, I think being Money are legitimately one of the best tag teams in all of wrestling. Because um, it, it's when you talk about the best of X, it's always WWE or some Jap- like Japanese wrestlers, but rarely sort of TNA types until now when they're all starting to sort of break out in other companies. But but being money was so perfect at a perfect time when WWE were doing nothing at all with tag teams. These guys were sort of headlining weekly shows and their matches. Again, with like Kazarian and um, Daniels, um, all the other all the other sort of teams that were running. I mean, they even had sort of matches with Generation Me, who obviously would go on and become the Young Bucks. Um, but th- there were two quite different types of wrestlers, but it was the perfect mix. I mean, you had James Storm, which was just he was just like a brawler, like a he was like his character. He was like a sort of bar fighter who could do a pretty sweet super kick. And then you had Bobby Roode, who still to this day, for some reason, whenever I watch him, I always think Kurt Hennig, Mr. Perfect. That stature, the way he hits the moves, he even did a few of the moves that Perfect used to do. Um, and it's they're one of the few examples of a team splitting up and both guys being main eventers. And the way they split up was perfect and the way they turn on each other and the characters that came out of that were perfect. It was just the, the perfect team at the perfect time. Um, the, like the matches they had, again, like motorcycle machine guns, LAX, uh, the sort of, they sort of propelled the tag team wrestling again, them and, like I say, the other guys at the time, like they were doing it and nobody else was, which is why I like it. But no, they're excellent. Chris, anything to add? Um, indivi- I think of them more individually because, again, my peak TNA years were the Hogan years and they broke up pretty soon after because they booked it for some reason. So, in fact, um, Kurt Angle couldn't wrestle. They had Kurt Angle beat Bobby Roode because, you know, TNA are logical. Um, but, no, yeah, that's what I think of. I think of them as individuals. And as individuals, like James Storm was like, a TNA lifer. Like, he went to NXT for, like, two weeks and then went back, and now he's in the NWA. Um, my biggest memory of James Storm, though, is amazing, because he's been... Wor- he was working ICW, like, all of 2018, 20- and 2019, he went to all the major shows, and he was feuding with... <laughs> with Ravy Davey. Ravy Davey. Ravy Davey. And... Um... <laughs> He he was cutting a promo um, for ICW's YouTube channel, and he didn't even get Ravy Davy's name right. It was like Davy Ravy. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. Um, but no, like he's he's up for a reason. And Bobby Reed, like that title run, like goddamn, like he was very obviously copying Triple H, but you know he he wasn't burying people, so it was grand. Um, he managed to get good matches out of Sting, which was really hard during the T-shirt years. 
Uh, <laughs> is that what that year was called? Yeah, just because he wouldn't stop wearing a fucking t-shirt. I don't care if your titties are saggy, just take the t-shirt off. <laughs> the t-shirt, uh, yes. <laughs> the name of Sting's album. The t-shirt, yes. <laughs> um, the t-shirt sessions. It's, but like, like Rude would still... Let's think. Their best matches, though, were definitely with each other. Like, their feud in Master uh, Beer Money broke up was amazing. And should have main evented the next um, Bound for Glory. Unfortunately, Hogan was above them somehow. Despite not even in, being in the match. Because, you know, <laughs> logic, logical. Um, and they had to give um, Smack Bag Jeff Hardy another go. But yet, they're just great. I just love them. I think you've made a good point there, Chris. I think you were more invested in the tag team because they were established single stars. Um, well, Storm was more of a tag team guy before he was with, um, what's the fucking name? American, American, American Most, Most Wanted. Wanted. With Chris Harris, who went on yeah. to be Brendan Walker. Knock, knock. Who's there? <laughs> <laughs> Brendan Walker. And I'm going to punch your teeth in. Oh, I was the, the worst. The biggest debut. name in the late 2000s. <laughs> um, and obviously, Bobby Roode would then go on to NXT, will be absolutely fantastic, and then we'll go on to the main roster and be shit. Um, like, see, it's not that despite, like, they did value him at all. For example, when I went to, you know how it is, a, both, uh, both of you have been to house shows, so, like, you know how marked up the merch is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, the Shield shirt, £50, you had your um, AJ top, £50, Bobby Roode top, £10. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly did not give a fuck about him. Um, wasn't even on the show. As for Jim, a James Storm, interesting fact, AJ Styles' music, originally written for James Storm. For James Storm, yeah. So, there you go. A little tidbit for you to take out of this entry. So, which number six. Makes more, which, which makes more sense, because AJ Styles, it actually sounds like his Ring of Honor theme. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted your number. Continue. It's all right. You, Yeah. Um, number six, beer money. Number five, then. Number five, a single star, we promise this time. No more tag teams. Um, we've got Christopher Daniels. Apart from, the apart from honorable mentions. Apart from honorable mentions. Uh, we've got Christopher Daniels. Um, one of the first names I knew when it came to TNA and Impact and someone who just consistently put on absolute bangers, whether it was as a tag team or whether it was a single star. This man could be counted on, whether it be him or... Or as Curry Man, he was fucking <laughs> outstanding. Some of his accolades, he was a four-time TNA X Division champion, a two-time TNA World Tag Team champion with Kazarian. Um, he was a six-time NWA World Tag Team champion. Um, he won the TNA World Cup of Wrestling in 2013, the World X Cup in 2004. He's been part um parts of Feud of the Year in 2005 with AJ Styles, won the Match of the Year in 2004 and in 2006 and was part of Tag Team of the Year in 2006 with AJ Styles. Basically, from 2004 to 2008, in TNA, Daniels was fucking class, wasn't he, Garth? Yep, and um, the like you mentioned, that feud that he had with Styles was still one of the best, like, to this day, like, because of the back and forth and the fact that it was like a long-term like a uh, story because it it kept like weaving in and out of other stories they would have a bit of a feud then they would sort of stop for a bit 
then one of them would screw the other one over. Um, just it's the Brett HBK of TNA, exactly. Um, but nobody got properly screwed. Um, yeah, and um, they were better matches. Uh, debatable. Um, <laughs> it's not. But the thing with um, Daniels is he's always managed to keep up with the changes. He's never stagnated. He's never gotten his character's never gotten too old. He's he's always known when to 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 change from like the, the sort of the fallen angel sort of thing or do the comedy stuff. The thing with him is, and it's rare is that he can do it all. He can do it all. He can do the comedy. He can do the serious stuff. He can do the heel stuff. I think and what then... makes that more impressive of Daniels is you look at someone like Chris Jericho, who, yeah, he reinvents himself a lot, but that's become part of his persona, whereas Chris Daniels just naturally did it. Mm-hmm. That's it. And when he teamed up for the first time with Kazarian and they became the addiction, they were literally like we're, we're so charismatic and funny. What would we call bad influence in TNA? Bad influence, sorry, yeah. Um, and when they kept doing, when they were doing the um, the tribute nights, which is fantastic, where they would come out dressed as LOD or they would come out dressed as the different versions of Sting. Hmm. Uh, just, the amount of times people dressed up as different versions of Sting in TNA, <laughs> I think we, just, I think people just having it, like Anderson did it, um, Sting dressed up as Sting at one point. It's hard to explain. It's um, the thing is with him, he's had great matches with the age, as you say, but he's also had really good matches with the angle. Uh, he had really, Joe. He, Joe, he had a really good um, feud with Christian, I was going to say, and um, uh, Black Machismo, uh, Jay Lethal. Um, had some really good matches with him. And then, obviously, you've got Curry Man, who was just fucking bonkers, but brilliant. Well, and, he was, and he was also junior heavyweight champion, Curry Man. And he also stood in as suicide a couple of times as well. Yeah, it's super weird when it was suicide though, because like they were trying to play it off like it wasn't Christopher Daniels, and he has he has a very distinctive shape, just like and oh, a very distinctive like the the way he climbs a t- turnbuckle is very distinctive. Yeah, it's like oh, this oddly um, Christopher Daniels shaped man <laughs> is is pretending to be suicide. I wonder who it could be. It's he's the he's the, the sort of the ultimate non WWE guy, if you know what I mean. Like he's done everything everywhere. And has never had to go there. Um, he obviously, he has been there before. Um, I mean, if if some, I swear to God, if some cunt goes, oh, he was on Velocity one time. Fuck off. Yeah. Like, yeah, ex- I, well. like we're very impressed with your knowledge. Please don't be mad if I don't rush to suck your dick. <laughs> um, um, but no, overall, his his work is. I mean, everywhere he goes, he is given stuff to do rather than just. An enhancement guy, which is, I mean, how old is he now? 50 odd? And he's still yeah, doing it? He's, he's fairly old. So, nice. No, he's, he's brilliant. Daniels, the fact that the only world championship he's held is Ring of Honor is fucking disgusting. I must admit, when was... I was doing research for the podcast and I realized he hadn't been TNA world champion, was just yeah. was baffling. And he's 50 he'd, exactly, by the way. He'd never really had any feuds for the championship. It's weird. Like, no, like he was in triple threats for the world title, like in 2009 when AJ was champion. But like, it was mostly X division. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna be wrong. Like he fit in there, but like you look at what he he got Apple teenies over. Yeah, oh, that's so good. Like the only like he 
I think you want to use an Apple TV to win a ladder match. And uh, he, uh, he had that glove when the middle oh, finger was cut out. Oh my god, that was that was the best thing. It was, <laughs> and like I remember, he was on like an I when two K fourteen came out, he was on IGN, and they're like, right, we're going to download Christopher Daniels, and he was talking about it, and he was like, oh shit, he got the glove right. I'm so happy he got the glove. Um, it's just you, you, you list all the stuff this man can do, and it's. Oh, he can do it. Oh, like, and he's one of these people people copy, like that, um, split like a Sai Moon so that mm-hmm. Sami Zayn stole that, like, loads of people stole that. And, like, it's split. Like, he's like someone I'm, I know that Rob has in his honorable mentions because it's really honorable mention on the notes that he's actually did notes for. Um, but, like, he is such a fundamental, he's basically, he doesn't have an, an overly exciting moveset other than, like, the moonsaults, but, like, he doesn't need to because he has such a grasp on, Psychology. He's can tell he's one of those people. He's he's one of those people that would garner respect anywhere he went, mm. but not demand like, it. Yeah, that's the thing. Is this sort of like, oh, you're one of the best in the locker room? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Just absolutely amazing. And on top of this, when he was Curry Man, his finisher was called the Spice Rack. Which <laughs> I'm sorry, if nothing get nothing else gets you on this list. Having that sort of pun as your finisher is absolutely amazing. Do you hear that, Bailey? Oh, That's cool. good wordplay. Not the oh, Bailey yeah, to I, fucking like, belly. When I make a when I make a teeth joke about Britt Baker, suddenly puns aren't funny. Okay, I see. <laughs> That's the way this is. Um so Christopher Daniels, number five. Moving on to number four then, and we have Gail Kim. Um obviously she was the TNA Women's Champion, for God's sake. TNA Hall of Famer, record-setting seven-time Impact Knockouts Champion, who was cut from WWE in 2004 due to cost-cutting measures. What? <laughs> okay. Uh, now, Also, um, she eliminated herself from a battle royal because she didn't respect the WWE Women's Division. That's my favourite story. <laughs> well, to be perfectly honest, when you look at Impact, the two things that they did better than WWE for so long was the X Division and the Women's Division. And two huge, integral cogs in that Women's Division were Gail Kim and Awesome Kong. And their feud and the matches they had laid the path for TNA to have this Women's Division. And Gail Kim was a huge, huge part of that. She was a trendsetter in that division because at the time it was still very much... How do you look in a bikini? Can you get your thong out? And it was, you know, obviously she didn't want that. Which, who would? What kind of woman would want that? And it, just, it showed our integrity. It showed our integrity for leaving the WWE where she was safe to go somewhere because she wanted to wrestle. Exactly. Exactly. And she went back, realised uh-huh. nothing had changed, and left again. Um, I, I saw an interview of her when Awesome Kong came in um, to WWE and she was like, I'm so glad um, Kong didn't end up wrestling because they wanted me to go over and say I would be ruining what we did in TNA. Let me put it this way. Um, Gail Kim got um, a feud of Taron Terrell over. <laughs> yep. And had, Taren ma- like, had two legitimate like five-star matches. Um, yeah, but... but, but <laughs> Yeah, for, 
As I was about to say, let's let's not go too crazy. I mean, it's still Taron fucking Terrell. Um, talk about the Austin Kong matches, and maybe I'll I'll and maybe I'll honor that. And but, Roxy. Uh, and oh, Roxy, for fuck's sake. Um, that she's just amazing. Like, the, the, the thing the, is, both both of the big title wins are like when she won it for, um, the first time, and then won it on well, her supposed retirement, and then she came back, um, to be ta- um to go against Tessa, mm-hmm. which was still a pretty fucking great match. Um, mm-hmm. and well, mostly because she took they both took nasty bumps because Gail Kim does not know how to slow down. Well, um, the thing, but like, like both times, um, when she won the title, she only got like twenty seconds to, um, celebrate. But like she worked as a both like a shit, a shit eating heel, and mm-hmm. then a like valiant. This is my home. Like a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Take notes, Johnny Gargano. Uh, um, I mean, like you said, like the, the obvious, like high, the obvious sort of marquee ones are the awesome Kong and. Um, Taryn Terrell, but even when she came back to Impact, when when it changed, she managed to have some decent stuff there. Um, and she's one of the few people on this list, even who don't deny their TNA history, because some of them just don't fucking talk about it anymore. Or especially the likes of say Kurt Angle. Oh, uh, Kurt Angle. Well, I have something about Kurt Angle after TNA. It's amazing. But sorry, go on. Um. <laughs> Or others who have left and gone out and do other stuff, being quick to sort of shoot down all the TNA. Oh, yeah, that was. We don't talk about that sort of thing, but she was quite like, like the sort of the bastion of it. To be fair, Gaff, you see half the people um, on this list, and it's like, despite the fact that the big, um, their biggest runs were in TNA, they were also probably some of the most mismanaged by TNA. Yeah, true. But now, Geek came, like, at, at one point, she was the. Well, especially in the West, like the, the best woman wrestler. Um, yeah, definitely. In what, two thousand seven, two thousand eight? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely worthy inclusion and just a pioneer. An absolute pioneer in the women's division. So Gail Kim, number four. Heading into the top three now. And <laughs> probably won't surprise you who the top three are, but we'll plough on regardless. Number three we have the Samoan submission machine, Mr. Samoa Joe. Um, Joe. 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 Joe's <laughs> gonna kill you. See, <laughs> now when I think of Joe, Joe it, you know um, in Simpsons when Homer can't drink and he's just there going, Mo. Yeah. Mo. Mo, Mo. Mo. I, d- I, just think of, I just think of Joe. It's like Joe. <laughs> Joe. Joe. Joe, 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 Joe. Um a fucking legitimate badass. Um Yeah, like we better we better really hope he didn't hear us making fun of his name. He his entire first like initial run in Impact where he was just unbeatable. He was he was a linchpin of that company. Um Garth, you are a massive Impact Samoa Joe fan, aren't you? Just Samoa Joe in general, just because he's he's everything that is he's everything that's good about wrestling. Whereas he's not the flash and the bang. He's not fake. That's the best word to use. He's 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 legit. He's real. His promo skills are fucking off the off the chart. 
I mean, he can do what Jake used to be able to do, and he can talk calmly and smoothly, and you're shitting yourself, fearing for what the fuck he's going to do to you. Because he'll just say it. Someone ruined um, loud Samoa Joe promos for me because they pointed out that he basically just talks like this. But he goes very loud at a random point and then he goes back down. Oh, yeah. He's, 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 he can be intense, but he can also be very sort of calm. Um, and like, obviously, you, you talk about Joe and you talk about the run that he had with the title where he went unbeaten for, was it a year? Yeah, he was unbeaten for a year and then Angle came in and then back went on for two years and to be fair that match in the cage oofed like the that MMA stuff. feud is still to this day top three feuds of all time for me yeah and then you have so many underrated mat- uh, matches like his one with Christian uh, it was Destination X 2007 mm-hmm. that was great and he's had loads he's had I mean we're, we're kind of sort of give him a bit of a rough ride but he's had some really really good matches with Jarrett yeah. He's had really good matches with Abyss. Sting. Um, Sting. Um, to a- be honest... We haven't even mentioned AJ yet, or Daniels. Well, that's what I mean. Is is on-off feud with AJ through all, throughout the years. It's like interwoven in the TNA sort of DNA. We mm, won't mention like, DNA too often because that brings somebody else into the The form. only time <laughs> Joe's... The only time, time Joe's been down in TNA wasn't his fault. They were... Nation of Violence. <laughs> yeah, fucking... You know what, Taz. Joe, we get, we, you've been away for a while, so what we're going to do, we're going to bring you back, we're going to draw a cock on your face, and then, like, you're going to be over. It's like, sure, that's definitely... Or, like, when he was in... The main was, event like, mafia. Oh, the main I event mafia. I like that. The main, the main event mafia stuff was good. What was bad was um, when he was just the muscle for the beatdown clan. Mm. Oh, the beatdown clan. Yeah. Um, and then... Um, oh, what's the really bad one? Fortune. I know, like if, uh, Fortune, <laughs> worst wrestling stable name since Free Count. Um, so, like somehow you managed to take Free Count and Four Horsemen, mix them together, and make something not quite as good as either. And you have to remember that Free Count is in, involved in there. Um, but no, like I, it's so hard to like get over how good. Like me and Robert talk about it on the Young Lion, weirdly enough, because we were viewing his Kobashi match at, in Ring of Honor, and like. Between two thousand five and two thousand and seven, he was no, he was untouchable, mm-hmm. like best in the world, undoubtedly. Like name someone better between those years. The thing with him is what he's like. Yes, he's like a heavy set dude. He's a big guy, but he's so athletic and he's so yeah. But he doesn't go over the top of it. Like I love Keith Lee with all my heart, but whenever he's in the ring with Dijak, he just goes over the top. And I yeah. don't or like Jeff Cobb is another good example of it, where I stop believing in them as well, a monster. E- even. Uh... Like we mentioned before, like Brian Cage, people like that, where you know they can do it, but they don't need to do it all the time. Yeah. Whereas Joe like, does it not when he, Gordon. Joe does it as they used to, where he would pull shit out in the like like you mentioned the cage match. Mm-hmm. He would pull stuff out for that, just for that, and um, then it had had more of an impact. My favorite thing Joe does is like the back elbow into an insiguri. It's so oh, in the corner. Yeah, like it's one of it's like the smoothest transition in wrestling for me. Mine it's, is just the simple where he catches them in the corner where they run at him. Oh, the, with the Uinagi. You know what I yeah. love? When someone dives on him, um, at him, he doesn't catch him or anything. He just walks out of the way. Yeah, oh, that's so good. It's fucking so good, Samojo. <laughs> one of my favorites. So, some accolades of the man, just to give you some indication of just 
how high he was on the company sort of list. He was he a one-time... To be intimidating t- with a cock on his face. He did. One-time TNA World Heavyweight Champion, one-time TNA Television Champion, five-time TNA X Division Champion, two-time TNA World Champion, uh, Tag Team Champion. Um, he was also the third TNA Grand Slam Champion and the third TNA Triple Crown Champion. He has literally won fucking everything in this company. He had Finisher of the Year 2007, Feud of the Year with Kurt Angle. He was labelled Mr. TNA in 2006 and 2007. He was an he's just an absolute monster, an absolute monster. He's also I just want to quickly point this out. He is one of the only people to hold the TNA World Tag Team Championships on his own. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because he won that match with... Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... I love it. How to bury a tag division. Just give all the give both the belts to one person. That'll definitely work. Anyway, Samoa Joe, number three. Let's move to number two. You can probably imagine who the uh, the top two are. It's just what order we put them in. So, like, you're very right. Number two is Frank Trek. Crimson. Um... Crimson. Relic. Black <laughs> Rain. About to kill us, but backwards. Um, <laughs> Lance, well, 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 Lance that one in a while. Um, Rock, Rock and Reef Connection. Oh my god! Yeah. Tag team of um, the year. Um, Junior Fatty. Yeah, absolutely. There have we're listing these people. There have been some absolutely fucking shit we in TNA. Another, <laughs> we, should, we should do another list of baffling TNA signings. The <laughs> worst <laughs> TNA. Um, oh. Tito Ortiz. Orlando nice. Jordan. Um, uh, Orlando Jordan's not bad in theory. We just made what? him into a. We just made him into some weird. Like he wasn't an. He's not awful. They brought him in, in as a jobber or something. Like in theory, they but like then they had him sexually assault people. Dude, he wasn't good in WWE. Never mind Impact. That was good in WWE. That is true. Let's move on to number two then. Number two, Kurt freaking. Angle. Um, the man, the signing that really legitimized TNA as an that's, actual that's a, credible company. The re- reason me and my friends heard about TNA is because some older kids were talking about it and were like, oh, it's the place where Kurt Angle is. That's all we knew it as. It's like, that's the place where Kurt Angle is. Exactly. When he left WWE, he was still legitimately one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. So the fact that yeah, he'd man. gone to TNA, this new company, or this new-ish company, should I say, um, really instantly gave them a sense of credibility. Um, Garth, you probably remember the signing of Kurt Angle <laughs> and his run. Would you like to take it away? Uh, I think Well, I think I spoke of this before, like on one of the other pods where we, I think we reviewed this. <clears throat> the the match where the feud came in, but it was the fact that it was teased and it was before Facebook was really a thing and before the groups and the, the internet wasn't as sort of interconnected as it is now. Back so, in my day, yeah. So it, there was just the rumours. There was no this is what's happening, um, and it was like. They did all these vignettes, and then they finally did the thing where it showed you him, and it's 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 real, it's damn real, and it was like holy shit! Like I saw an interview with Angle, and the crowd were chanting Goldberg because we just saw a bald guy in a gym, (laughs) and he was like, "Oh no, no!" He thought they were going to be disappointed. 
Fucking hell. Because he wasn't Copa? Well, because I remember, like, um, at the time, again, being like, if, as everybody does have that sort of period off from wrestling or from WWE, because you're just disillusioned with it, it's, it's become dull. And I was still kind of watching it, but I was more watching TNA. And I kept telling all my mates, look, TNA's better, TNA. And like, nah, nah, it's WWE, it's better. It's, the production values are better, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, but the wrestling's shit. The, TNA's legitimately better wrestling. And, the, and I was like, nah, nah, nah. And I was like, Kurt Angle's there now. And I'm like, what? <laughs> still, not, still not going to watch it, but that's pretty fucking cool. Um, Basically, I, I, you, I, and, you and never me and Rob talk about New Japan. It's like, cool. I'm still not going to watch it. But I'll never forget like watching it and where he comes down to the ring. Comes down, the, the crowd, the pop was fucking unreal. Does his thing, Joe comes out and then just sticks the fucking nut on. And that was immediate because normally in this sort of instance where like a legend comes in because he was a legend at that time even though he'd only been doing it for a short period um somebody comes in and they sort of massage the ego of that guy and they're like oh well we'll set up this match no not this not with joe it was just like straight out the gate trying to batter each other and it just set up what angle was all about it set up that he was there for business he wasn't there for a payday he was there to show how good he was now that he was better after his injuries and stuff, and then arguably had, I would say, I would have argued his, his best years were TNA. He did have obviously his marquee matches in WWE. TNA um, angle hit different, like very different. That's like, what I mean. Um, he, he was he, doing stuff that he had good matches with Ken fucking Anderson. Well, that's what I mean. It was it was angle doing angle rather than. WWE. It's, a, it's Angle going, well, I'm on so many painkillers, but I'm not quite sure I can feel my neck, so here's exactly. what I'm going to do. I'm going to back, I'm gonna backflip off of this cage. Oh, fuck and but it's if, like, and if you can catch me, that's fine, but if not, that's fine too. It's the Jarrah match. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but he just had so many good matches, obviously, because he could pull anyone to a good match. Um, obviously, his feud with Joe, he had stuff with AJ, um, Jarrett, which the story with Jarrett was so good because it was steeped in like reality. The fact that Jarrett took his fucking wife and then they brought his fucking kids into it, little Cody. <laughs> uh, and it got quite sort of nasty, um, but it made intriguing sort of TV. He had good matches with Sting, uh, he had a really good feud with Nigel McGuinness at the time. It doesn't oh, those matches are so good. Um, especially the, I'm sure there was a submission match. There was a three stages a how match. Uh, that was amazing. Um, but yeah, just and then just a bona fide, like full on, just legend of that. Co- to, to be able to do it in two different companies at that level. Um, I mean, everybody knew his credentials going in, and then he, I think everybody was surprised that he produced what he produced. So it was just amazing. It was such a good time to watch TNA. With Angle, um, like I said, TNA Angle just hit different. And again, it's another one of these things with TNA helping with wrestling development because you see Angle and, and like 
you again with WWE, it's all like it was all about like looking, like seemingly looking as fake as possible. His angle, like he's going for takedowns, he's going for he's like he his end goal is a submission, so he's obviously going to work towards that submission, or like he's about he's going to squeak through. But my favorite thing about Angle is even in TNA, he's like the biggest badass in the world, but he still occasionally, um, very occasionally go back into comedy. Like so, for example, in 2007, when they were first doing a um, love triangle thing with his wife, um, he was put with Kevin Nash, who, say what you want, he's one of the funniest fuckers in wrestling. <laughs> and um, <laughs> basically what happened, um, JB, um, Jeremy Barash, gas favorite, likes him more than Triple H, um, walks in, sees her with someone else, gets out, and is basically like, I need to tell Kurt, and walks off um, <laughs> to tell Kurt. Because you know he's a grass, and then he gets to Kurt, and the first thing Kurt is like, "What a new man! Is he better than me? Does he have more gold medals?" And <laughs> <laughs> um, like um, later on, Kevin Nash tries to hit on it, and he does like, uh, Kurt's, "Kurt's right, you are frigid." <laughs> he's just amazing. Kurt Angle is absolutely fantastic. So hard to do comedy like Kurt does and not bury yourself. Well, exactly. It's the same as when he was in the WWE. He was able to flip from comedy when he was with Mr. McMahon to just an absolute badass like his matches with Brock Lesnar um, at WrestleMania 19 and that Iron Man match on SmackDown. He was able to flip between the two because you believed his wrestling experience. You knew how good he was. It was easy for him to flip between him because he had such good comic timing and he didn't overdo it. It helped massively. Angle managed to... Um, so basically, long story short, Brock Lesnar stole the IWGP Championship, um, saying he was going to clean it. He never cleaned it. Um, that's a lie. It looked so. Basically, what happened? <laughs> Lesnar stole it. Antonio Inoki made a new league where Lesnar was champion. It was the old IWGP belt because you know Antonio Inoki's fucking crazy. Um, so then, um, Lesnar was like, "I'll only drop it to Angle." So basically, he dropped it to Angle, who then took it up back over to. New Japan and then lost it to Nakamura. So Angle was so good at this time, he effectively pulled off a heist to get the <laughs> IWGP Championship back. <laughs> ah, the time when Impact and uh, New Japan were actually on good terms. Remember those oh, times. We talked about that and the Young Lion. God, they were awful times. <laughs> um, Okada couldn't even make it in TNA. Gresham up with the green. Fucking, you know what? I, this this is why this is why New Japan don't treat their partners very well. Actually, that's why they don't treat it well because they can, they can be cunty with it. Like, chances are you going it. I don't want to go on this rant. Basically, fuck TNA. Wait, no, that's not the point of this list. <laughs> Honorable mentions now, right? Well, just quickly before we do that, I mean, you're right. Completely, Jim has the company. He was the second Triple Crown champion. He was a six-time heavyweight champion, two-time King of the Mountain champion, two-time tag champion, one-time TNA X division champion. He was fucking good. Obviously, he was struggling with health health issues, especially regarding his neck. And that's... Especially near the end. He spent a lot of time out near the end. That's that's not actually what I'm talking about. I'm actually talking about right at the start. Because when he left the WWE, his neck wasn't sorted. And that's why the WWE were a bit iffy on whether to keep him or not. Because, obviously, he was struggling with painkillers and things like that. And when he signed for Impact, or TNA, or whatever we would call it, even though he legitimized the company, as we've already mentioned, 
it did sort of throw a little bit of shade on them for basically hiring this man who had, you know, a known problem. Yeah, but he essentially shook a bag of pills and said, right, come over. The thing is, I remember at, at the time, it was either just before or when he just signed, and it was like a shoot interview with him. And he'd said the reason he left WWE, he didn't sign the new contract, is because they wouldn't let him tie him off to heal. And they were the ones plowing him with pills. Like Vince was basically giving him pills and say, just take them, go on with the show. And they wouldn't give him time off to heal his neck. So he said, fuck it, I'm leaving. Took six um, months off, got better, then went to TNA. I mean, this is a um, company that gave CM Punk so much um, Xanax that he shit himself on a SmackDown. So. <laughs> and on that note, on that disgusting note, let's go to our honourable mention. So, Chris, let's start with you. Your honourable mention, please. Um, first of all, can I quickly just say Scott Steiner for his promos? <laughs> we can't go with that, DNA. That one promo. No, two. There's the math promo, and then there's the um, fat acid promo. Fat acid. <laughs> like he hated Samoa Joe because of how <laughs> like there's a there's like a sit down interview with the main event mafia, and then like Steiner was feeding with Joe over time, and he was like, "So Scott, um, what do you think of Joe? He's fat." <laughs> and then everyone's trying to calm him down, so eventually they're like, "Right, right." Right, um, right, Steiner, right, calm down, calm down. I mean, he's been, he does one more time to shout, he's fat! <laughs> it's fucking, it's right. amazing. It's just like, fuck it, man. Like, the must have just said, Steiner, just do what you want. <laughs> yeah, no, look, just like, give him a he, mic and sit by, lads. What's super weird is, like, he turned up once a shawarma. And like, just didn't acknowledge him. It's like the trauma was in the background, and then sort of, like, and sort of like to, to like basically everyone watching, like who the fuck's watching all Japan in America at that time? And it's like trauma. <laughs> of course, you know trauma. Anyway, uh, my actual honorable mention is Motor City Machine Guns because, of course, they're probably my favorite TNA tag team. Of, yeah, no, they are my favorite TNA tag team of all time in terms of what we did in TNA, like that Young Bucks. PWG spot vest style that was perfected by Motor City Machine Guns, and they were just great. They'd flip, they'd go all over the place, they'd wrestle circles around anyone. And then on the top of that, on what top I love about, about, um, so, about them was it was so smooth as a team. Yeah, so smooth. Like people think the Young Bucks are smooth. Oh my God, for Motor City Machine Guns, Jesus. And then also they were great personalities on top of that, especially Saban. Yeah. Saban was a great personality, and then like because it sort of spawned because from like Kevin Nash just sticking about in the X division. <laughs> was, like I remember Doctor Nash just going up to like yeah. Sanjay Dutt and was like, "You're on the juice," <laughs> and then like he made Pete Williams, um, Scott Steiner, and he made um Sanjay Dutt. What did he make? Oh yeah, Sanjay Dutt was on the juice. Um, but then. Motor C came out and they, were, and they were with Nash, but still somehow didn't get buried. It's a very fine line to. But just like they, they, I'm sad they didn't stay around longer. Like Shelley ended up going to Japan and Time Splitters are great, but they're, they're not the Machine Guns. Nah, the Machine Guns were one of the first things that sort of pulled me in on TNA. Watching the matches, like this is this is what I've been missing for all this time. The tag team, 
I remember seeing um, them when I was like ten, and it's like, oh my god, they're like two Rey Mysterios. Uh, that's exactly what I was what it was like, and they were they would do that sort of where they went to the corner, and did the little double backflip thing, and the I just I like you say, Saban was the sort of the most charismatic, and he was another one who could do both intense and funny. Yeah. Um, um, why I'm quickly going to mention just a shame with his injuries. That, that yeah. was really really unlucky. Well, I'm quickly going to mention because I don't think either of you are going to, but is Bully, Bully Ray. He was that heel run with oh, yeah. his and eights. Well, oh, he was, he was the best heel in wrestling for a short period. From the end of 2012, um, from 2012 to 2013, like now 2013, 2014, best heel going. Just unbelievable stuff. Um, and then also Grado. Anyway, your guys' turn. Hey. <laughs> hey, go on, Garth. Well, We've already sort of brought her up before, but I'm going to say Awesome Kong. Um, pretty much for all the same reasons as Gail Kim. The difference being that at the time, nobody of her sort of size or sort of bullish way of working was. She was basically Adja Kong. Well, yeah, she was sort of. Nobody in any of the other companies were doing that. They were all skimpy, like small thin petite women and then you had this monster come in and she came in at the perfect time obviously you had the the, the feud with Gail King that we talked about um, but she would come in and she didn't talk and she kept that up all the way until she left I don't think she really sort of did any promos because she had um, the sort of handler that she had at the time um, but she had some phenomenal matches because she was so different to everybody else in the division um, and then she did a obviously she went to T, um, WWE and things didn't work out. But for the time with TNA, she was just her and Gail Kim were just the perfect foils. Um, yeah, awesome Kong, amazing. I think we'd be remiss to not mention Jeff Jarrett, um, <laughs> considering yeah. the bloke basically built the company with his dad. Yeah, it's it's super weird that he basically built a company around the fact that he wants to be Hulk Hogan. But also the fact that he is actually a good wrestler. We'll keep forgetting. No, that's the thing. He's so, like he like because he's a Memphis guy. He has such good punches. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. He's got very good punches. Um, I think for you know, he is synonymous with that company. Um, for better and, or worse. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, sure. He booked himself ridiculously well. You know, he won the NWA Championship six times. Um. But, you know, he created a match called King of the Mountain just so he could win it. Um, and, be, and so he could have the nickname King of the King Mountain. King of the Mountain, and exactly. Then he came back and, um, in 2015 at, with an invading force of GFW. He turned TNA into GFW and made himself win a King of the Mountain match just so he could say he was King of the Mountain again. Yeah. So, yeah, just for, you know, basically creating the company, being its first real figurehead, I suppose. Uh, Jeff Jarrett gets an honourable mention, but my main honourable mention is potentially quite controversially Austin Aries. Oh, um, you spoke too fast. I was going to say Frank Treg again, but <laughs> because obviously his last run with Impact ended fairly uh, contentiously, um, people often forget just how fucking good he was. Yeah. You know, his his accolades literally list an entire page. He was 
fucking great. That feud with Bobby Roode in 2012. It was him oh, yeah. that came up with the option C for the X Division Championship. Um, he's, he was just, he was a fantastic wrestler. He, he really was. He so was so good even when he wasn't trying, like in 2015 when he was about to leave and it's like, eh, and then he... It's weird though, because like um, I think it was oh shit. Who it was? No, it was Jim Cornette who described him as a professional malcontent. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, like yeah, apparently, yeah. apparently in Ring of Honor, all he do is complain because um, he wasn't champion anymore. And then when we were like, right, this is how he booking. He's like, nah, I'm just gonna manage um, All Night Express. Um, and then. It's... And like apparently, like he got suspended from TNA for. To be fair, like some, like his first run in TNA is Austin Star Austin when he Star. <laughs> when he got, when he got released um, that first time. It's because um, they wanted him. They wanted to fly him out for a photo shoot, and then not pay him. And it's sort of like either do it on a day where you booked me or pay me for that day. Mm-hmm. And it's that's not unreasonable. And then he also got in trouble because after TNA cut it off with Ring of Honor. Um, he was wearing a Ring of Honor shirt at a signing event. Brilliant. Um, but yeah, like, like his last run, that was re- like that Moose match. That was great. With him, he seemed, he's one of those few people that, like Punk, can tread the very thin line between shoot and the work. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I remember when he won um, TNA cha- the TNA Championship back in 2012. CM Punk was like, oh, I'm actually interested in watching TNA now because he's yeah. so good. The fact that he can pull off that brain buster on most people is unbelievable as well. It's such a beautiful brain. That's thing with um, Daniel Bryan actually cited him as this. He has he has basically two flashy moves: a brain buster and a um, chance and, and the four fifty. <laughs> and yeah. like the rest of it is just fundamentals down to a T. And like it's very hard to do. Basically, the only other people who really have that that I can think of off the top of my head, like in this generation, so like not counting like your Bret Hart's or what have you, like in this sort of generation where. So spotty, all that stuff is very easily lost. Is like Walter and Danny Bryan. That's basically Zach Zach Saber, maybe, but he's more flashy. Mm-hmm. Should we get to number one? I mean, just <laughs> quickly before we do that, I just want to point out that Austin Aries is both a TNA Triple Crown champion and a Grand Slam champion, and isn't on that list. And I think that's more testament to his attitude and his backstage shenanigans than his in ring work. I think he never had, like, after, like, every time he'd stop a big run, he'd fall down the car because we wouldn't want to book him. So, like, as opposed to, like, everyone else on this list, when they stopped a big run, they'd still be doing something, whereas Aries wouldn't have anything. Yeah. Number one, then. Unsurprising to... Get ready to fly. Absolutely everyone is AJ Tom Styles. Tomko. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Tomko. Fucking waste of space. Um, oh, wow. Rude. Just rude. AJ Styles. Garth. Yeah. Wax lyrical, buddy. Um, I don't think there's much you can say. Uh, he is one of the greatest of all time. Would I be missing saying that? Um, he made my top ten. He is fundamentally, at the time the most exciting thing I'd seen in fucking the years when I first saw what he was doing. Um, and the matches that he did with the X Division was the most exciting thing I'd seen at the time for a long time. His stuff with Daniels, the chemistry there was fucking unbelievable. And I think the only, the only thing that's ever let him down, 
and it's, it's a well cited thing is his promo was never great, but it was always it was passable. Um, but then it would get in a match time, and it was like you forget it all because his matches were so good. Um, his X Division matches always seemed to be, although he was like he held the championships and he had good matches at there. It felt like the X Division was always his realm, more so than the sort of heavyweight championship side of it. I always preferred his matches with, like, Daniels and, um, like, Joe and the people on that, rather than, like, although I, he had good matches with Sting and especially Christian, like, you had really, like, really good run with Christian. His exhibition stuff was the stuff that really sort of attracted us to him. Um, and I think now everybody's seeing, because not a lot of people watched him in TNA. I mean, obviously people did, but now that he's in WWE and he's doing half of what he was doing in TNA, that actually people are seeing what a fucking talent this guy is and that he definitely is one of the best of all time. Um, just, pardon the pun, like a phenomenal worker and just amazing. Hey. Hey. Um, with Daniel, uh, with AJ rather, um, yeah, it's just like he's another one who in TNA managed to reinvent uh, managed to reinvent himself and sort of chameleon himself into any role. Like he was like the big champion hero, um, and then like with Christian, he was like this comedy geek. Mm-hmm. Like Christian would be like, "Oh, t- tell me what I'm gonna do, AJ. Um, you're gonna beat him. Yeah, that's right, AJ." And he'd be like, "Yes." <laughs> um, like it's weird. Like he used to mark out in the ring over how great he is. And then, like, um, in that run in 2013 where, against Bully Ray, where he went away, became, like, Dark Age, basically Sting, but, like, with a more like satisfying em- ending. Like emo version? Yeah. And then, he, hang on, and Sting is already incredible. He's the crow, for fuck's sake. Anyway, um, I haven't seen the crow, though. Is the crow any good? It's good. Okay. Um, but, yeah, like, my favourite... I think what most stands out to show the sort of quality of AJ is the fact that the Elevation X match he had with Rhino is actually really good. <laughs> Rhino. <laughs> Little when, baby Rhino. No, but it's not just that. The, well, two things with Rhino. One, um, he instead of getting just a new, um, a new singlet, he just took his existing singlet and cut the Y into an eye. So the <laughs> eye looked really weird. And then also... Um, <laughs> The Elevation X match, for those who don't remember, was like, um, it was like the Destination X pay-per-view. I think. It must have been. It was, um, yeah, it was like it's, a... It was a scaffold match, basically. Ball, yeah. And I would argue the best scaffold match ever, because no one was seriously injured. Yeah, and it wasn't janky as fuck. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't janky. It's funny, though, because like, Rhino was scared of heights, and then AJ was like basically Brock lesnar on the top of it. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> Brock, Brock Lesnar is now a verb. Um, but yeah, like you think of some of the best part, like against Angle, great, but all, all the triple threats with Samoa Joe and um, Chris Daniels. and Christopher Daniels, yeah. Um, oh shit, what's his past? Who am I thinking of? Um, oh, it's escaped me, but he was just great. He'd work great with anyone. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And considering, you know, he's done this work in. New Japan, he's done it in Ring of Honor, he's done it here, um, and he's done it in the WWE, and he's consistently been amazing. Um, sort of goes to show just wrestling. how good he was. You're forgetting World Wrestling All Stars. That is true, and WCW. 
and where Re- he was actually in there. And Repro. There you go. Um, I mean, go to his Wikipedia page, and it just tells you the amount of stuff that he's done. He was the first uh, Triple Crown champion, and I believe the first Grand Slam champion as well. So, yes, he was both. He's a five-time Triple Crown champion, apparently, and also a two-time Grand Slam champion. He stuck him with Fly for some reason, and it just didn't work. Oh, yeah. Right. He's had to work through some shit, Chris. Yeah, it's TNA. Fortune, like I said. Claire Lynch. Oh, Claire oh, Lynch. Um, it's super weird, though, because like, the end of that storyline is basically, if I win, I'll take a paternity test. I'm like, if you're trying to prove that you didn't sleep with this woman, you probably should have just taken a paternity test. You should, yeah. probably should, should have just taken the test. So- <laughs> yeah. If anything, you're just making yourself seem more oh, guilty. guilty. Yeah. <laughs> just just take the paternity test. No, I will it's if I win. More weird, weird with that. Like, do you remember how few is like, oh, of course I'd love to sleep with Dixie Carter. It's like... <laughs> I wonder who's writing this. It was Russo, but still. There you go. Um, right, let's let's hold it there. Um, and let's knock that on the head. That was our top six TNA talents, including some honourable mentions. And we've managed to talk about a few unhonourable mentions. Frank Mm-mm. Trigg, Tomko, for example. Swarma. Claire Lynch, Swarma. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Um this will be released... God, we're recording this on the 22nd of May. I don't think this is going to be released till the middle of June, so I'm not going to bother trying to explain what's coming up on Podmania because it could be the end of June by the time this one comes out. Um, in the meantime, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Google, whether that's Apple, whether that's Stitcher or Spotify. We are everywhere. Check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk. Always good stuff on there. Uh, Twitter at Podmania and join the Facebook group Podmania Podcasts talk to me on Twitter at at RealRobGoodwin Chris where can they talk to you and Boosie and Garth Garthmania and thank you so much for listening guys we'll talk to you guys again soon you've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast follow us on Twitter at Podmania Facebook at Podmania Podcasts and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Podmania.